Hello, A-holes. This is Lonnie, and this is our Avengers Endgame Hot Take episode with me and Joshua and our guest, Rob Hyrett of Metaphors Be With You. Before we get started, you should know that if you have not seen Avengers Endgame, uh, then this is going to spoil pretty much everything that happens in the movie. So if you have not yet seen it, now is the time to set this podcast episode aside until you have. Also, just a heads up, uh, Joshua's uh, audio file had some issues, and uh, occasionally you will hear him sort of get uh, a little Max Headroomy in the way that he sounds, like words just repeat over and over and over again for like three or four times, and then uh, we pick up with his audio. So I just wanted to let you know that there might be a couple of weird glitches. It is not your podcast app. It is us, but I think that you can still get a sense for what it was he meant to say. So, uh, so that all should be fine. Thanks so much. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Listen Up A-Holes, the only Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast that totally understands how time travel works. I'm Lonnie Diane Rich of Chipperish Media. And I'm Joshua Unruh, superhero scholar from Pulp Diction Productions. Together, we're working our way through the good, the bad, and the apocalyptic of the MCU. So listen up, A-Holes. We're going to talk about Avengers Endgame. Hot takes, hot takes, get them while they're hot. These are the hottest Avengers Endgame takes. Look out, it's a hot take on Avengers Endgame. And we have a very special guest today that Lonnie is going to introduce now. Lonnie, tell us about our special guest for this Avengers Endgame hot take. Time travel loop, five-year gap. (laughs) All right. Big wrap-up. Our special guest today is Rob Hyrett, host of Metaphors Be With You, our Star Wars podcast that just dropped a second season. So go and check it out. There are eight brand new episodes. They are fantastic. Rob, thank you so much for coming and joining us today. How are you doing today? I am very well, thank you. It is both Star Wars Day as we record this and Free Comic Book Day. So I got my whole day like planned out. Wow. Okay, that's pretty cool. Um, one of the things, too, I got to say, like, we, uh, for all of you out there who get, want this little, you know, peek behind the curtain at Chipperish Media, we have like a Slack, right? So everybody who is on, you know, in Chipperish Media, like all the hosts and everything, we've got this Slack channel. We're always, and every now and again, Joshua and Rob will nerd out about something. <laughs> like, it'll be Star wait, Wars. Wait, 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 wait. Let's be honest. <laughs> Every now and then, any given two people will nerd out about something. But this story is about Rob and Josh. Yeah, okay, this story is about Rob and Josh. So when Endgame, when we were going to do the hot take for Endgame, I was like, we have to have Rob on the show. You know, we talked, we had Rob the last time we were in space, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? So we had Rob <laughs> space on Space is, is my jurisdiction. Exactly. So whenever there's <laughs> space involved, um, I like to have Rob on. And also, it's just really fun to have, like, you two guys, you know, once you get started on stuff and you start talking about comic books and like all that kind of stuff it's just really fun i mean half the time i don't know what you're talking about but it's really fun to listen (laughs) thank god that that is the opinion yeah yeah otherwise i would just feel terrible every day of my life no it delights me like there's nothing like even if i don't know what the particular thing is that's delighting somebody like other people's delight delights me like i love when people nerd out (laughs) about stuff there's nothing i love more in the world than just like genuine enthusiasm and especially if it's for enthusiasm for things that are not typically considered you know cool or like when people are like oh yes you know i love my porsche or whatever like or whatever people like whatever's (laughs) supposed to be cool you know um but like the things that people really genuinely get excited about like you know like stories and storytelling comic books and 
and, you know, Avengers movies and all that kind of stuff. I love that. So hanging out with you guys is a delight. And I'm very excited to be sitting here with both of you today while we discuss Endgame. And it is going to be kind of a, um, a casual, it's a hot, hot take, right? You know, I took notes in the theater, which was a mistake. Never take notes on your first watch of a thing because you'll miss some things. Yeah. And then I came back and Joshua hadn't seen it yet. And I was like, I need to talk about this movie. And Joshua was like, no spoilers. And um, so it was a very tense couple of days for me. And now finally now, we've look, all seen it. Yes. This is important because I, I, I normally am with you on the theory that spoilers do not actually ruin a good story. But no. in this case, not having spoilers was really important to me because this is the first time that I have gone into a Marvel movie having no idea what might happen yeah no yeah. It, it because is really it's not important. based on anything specific mm-hmm. yeah they're yeah. they're off the rails as far as source material mm-hmm. so i was like i just i was just giddy like i was like i have no idea i have no idea <laughs> it was amazing and Even to realize it's terrible oh, it's back to the future too holy shit <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on here um that no, was but great. here's my thing about spoilers though i just need to bring this up um within the first year of something being released, shut the hell up about it. Like, you know, because don't don't be a dick, basically, with yeah. spoilers. Like, I think that she I don't said think at the beginning spoilers. of our hot take. Right. I Well, no, people who are <laughs> listening to this should have seen them. If you haven't seen the movie yet, you clearly don't care. And it's fine. Um, Stop but I, now. <laughs> but I think that like. Or at least save this out, until after you've seen the movie. Right? <laughs> if something's been out for more than a year then shut up about the spoilers. I'm like, oh, no spoilers. Everybody gets freaked out about spoilers. And I'm like, you know, like, honestly, if you haven't bothered to see it yet, it doesn't mean enough to you that a spoiler is really going to affect the way that you, you know, you view the movie. I think that there are very specific instances in which, you know, there's a real big twist that actually earns its space, you know, then yeah, Mm. shut up about it. But overall, I think that if we're talking about, like, say, a 20-year-old television show, I'm not going to freak about spoilers that much, you know. (laughs) But anyway, we're talking about Avengers Endgame. Um, All right, so Rob, (laughs) let's start with you. You're the guest. Let's be polite. Mm. Um, What did you think of this movie? How did you respond? How did you feel when you were in the theater? I was big excited for most of this movie. Um, yeah. I had a great time throughout. I audibly whooped, and I'm not a whooper, uh, <laughs> when we when we have the scene when, when Cap is using Mjolnir. Yeah. Um, spoilers if that wasn't clear. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was big fun for me. I thought it actually earned its three-hour running time, which is not something I give out lightly. Yeah. And I had a great time. It's Good. not without flaw, but I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Great. Yeah. Joshua, how about you? Well, I mean, I was pretty well primed to enjoy this thing. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's somewhat in my wheelhouse at this Made stage. Made specifically to you delight know. you. Yes. <laughs> um. So, yeah, no, I'm also like just really blown away at not just how great a lot of the stuff hap- that happened was, mm-hmm. but also just how neatly this wraps up 10 years of storytelling. It just really managed to stick the landing, which I feel like was not a guarantee. So mm-hmm. one of the most like unexpected feelings that I had from this movie, along with just the roller coaster of emotions and excitement, was that I just felt really satisfied. And I mm-hmm. wasn't sure going in that that was how it was going to work out, you know? <laughs> 
yeah, putting on my professional writer hat, I was sitting there you know, thinking about what the movie might be when I, when I knew nothing about how the plot worked and thinking, if it was up to me, how would I try to land this ship? And I, I was blank. I mean, they obviously had more time than I was willing to take on it, but <laughs> I, they did a hell of a job from like a sheer sort of writing architecture perspective of giving everyone like emotional work to do and, you know, big, important, satisfying beats and including also that just the like, you know, cap with the with Mjolnir, the, the, the moments that don't necessarily add to the story, but are hugely satisfying to see. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it was really, really a lot of good stuff in there. And there was so much happening. It, it gets a little overwhelming, you know, trying to, like, keep track of everything that's going on. And the fact that they could keep that many balls in the air. And I still felt, like, for the most part, I would say I was, like, 85%, like, I know what's going on. <laughs> then there was 15% time travel nonsense, which is the thing. Like, I cannot handle a time travel scenario. Every well, time I watch a time travel scenario, my whole brain explodes being like, but but there's this and there's that and there's this and there's that and it made me go, but the rest of it, like, but even with that confusion, which we will address in a little bit, because mm -hmm. you guys try to explain it to me and I fail to understand again. <laughs> um, but, uh, but I mean, in the moment though, I felt like I got the emotional beats, like whether I could understand some of the technicalities of it, you know, it's like, that's, that's beyond the point, but the emotional beats, I was really able to follow for the characters and, um, and I enjoyed them and I thought they were really good and incredibly satisfying. Yeah. On the, on the time travel mechanics, I have kind of an extra textual explanation that I'm very happy with, Ooh, which good. is that the time travel does not actually make sense. And I've seen yeah. several attempts to try to explain it. And maybe they, they work if you're smarter than I am, but it's not, it's not clicking for me. But mm -hmm. what, I think, what I think they did there was they said to themselves, okay, our time travel does not make sense. But if we name drop every single time travel movie we can think of to tell the audience, no, it's not going to work like that. We can sort of scuttle off in the corner and you know throw our smoke bomb and be done. Right. <laughs> it's not this. It's yeah, not. It's definitely back to not the Back to the Future. It's definitely not Hot Tub Time Machine or any <laughs> <laughs> Wrinkle in Time, which I don't think even includes any time travel. I mean, it was. <laughs> it's not any of those things. It's not any right. of those. Yeah. No, it's it's so crazy, and like I have such a hard time figuring it all out, and I keep trying to, rather than just being like, okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Let's just let it be. Now, Joshua, you have this whole history in comic books. And until I did this podcast with you, I did not understand, like, completely how often within, like, the comic book worlds you just have to go, okay. You know, you just, like, you have to just accept <laughs> it. So I think this is something that maybe you're a little more used to. Well, also, I have a Rosetta Stone for this uh, time travel that comes mm -hmm. straight from the comic book universe. Yeah. Which is every time you time travel, you just make a new timeline. That's right. what happened. Remember, you remember way long time ago, Lonnie, when I explained to you that the Marvel Earth we're supposed to care about is the 616th in a yes. multiverse of bajillions, right? <laughs> yes. And... Basically, as far as the Marvel comics are concerned, every time every single living being in the universe makes a decision, there is a <laughs> splinter universe that went the other way. I chose Cheerios yeah. for breakfast this morning. Who knows what <laughs> happens to cornflakes, Josh? Nobody knows. <laughs> All right. So I'm fine with that. I'm fine with alternate universe, except that Banner had yeah. the whole discussion with Tilda Swinton. 
right? Mm-hmm. And we've got to get the the. There's this whole thing where we've got to return the stones so that we don't get an alternate time stream. That's what threw me off. I was fine until then, but then I was like, why do you have to go back? Well, and, and I think that's exactly it. They they just wanted they had their ending in mind. They wanted Cap yeah. to have to go on this mission by himself and then wind up, you know, getting to live out his life. But they couldn't. I don't think there is a way to make that all make internal consistent sense. And yeah. at me if I'm wrong. But well, that, I have one way. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. And I, and again, I wish they hadn't even said that stuff with the ancient one because yeah. I, up until then I was like, yeah, they're all separate timelines. What are you gonna right. do? You know, sure. right. Like that's yeah. that, and and incidentally, I don't love that option as far as the Marvel comics are concerned. Like there is mm-hmm. a real space, like metatextual space, that I found myself in where I was like, "But if it's just the six hundred and sixteenth, why do I care about this one?" Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, DC does this a little stronger. There's only well, until recently, till the last few years, there was only like half a dozen Earths. And yeah. they were similar, but very different. There were different reasons to care about them. But if if it's like the only difference is he had cornflakes this morning, it's like, well, let's watch <laughs> cornflakes, Josh, then, I guess. <laughs> well, and also DC helpfully named one of them Earth One and one of them Earth Prime, basically when Fair. they wanted to make sure. No, no, seriously, Earth Prime is the one that actually matters. But, you know, the right. ones that matter are the ones with the low numbers. Or it's on prime. the label you got. Yeah. So, so. Um, I kind of wish they hadn't had that conversation or I wish at the end someone had mentioned that you are holding a literal reality warping gem mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that you can just spackle over these problems with when you're when you're there. Oh, like sure. reality needs to be the last one you deliver because you have to clean up after yourself each time. You know? Oh, yeah. Now, ha- had they done that, I would have been like, all right, then. You know, though they don't, they'd spend a bunch of time establishing how goddamn powerful these things are. And Cap, as awesome as he is, can he do a, 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 a an Infinity Gem by himself? Okay, I'm gonna say yes because <laughs> we saw Thanos use a single gem. Boy, we are in the fucking weeds, you guys, and I don't care. I love it. Okay. Oh yeah. <laughs> we this saw is, this is one step shy of who would win in a fight. We saw Thanos <laughs> use the power gem on its own uh-huh. without blowing himself to hell and gone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think using one gem, I mean, we also had other beings who were floating around with the gems and maybe they weren't using them every day, but just having them wasn't, you know, obliterating. Well, we established though in Guardians of the Galaxy, the last time you had me on actually was that oh. was that one being cannot, you know, one normal being can't deal with a with an infinity stone by itself. Wait, wait. And it was No, you're right. I'm just thinking. Yeah. Which which gem is that? Which one was that? that I can't remember which that one was it is the in Guardians. One. Is that I don't know. I, it's I don't reality? Know it's Thanos. reality because that's uh, in in Infinity War. Thanos comes and uses that the stone he's just gotten to like you know slice up Drax and a, a Julian or you crap. Know. Damn it! You're right. It doesn't work. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So none of the time travel makes sense. Well, I mean, it's it makes fine. sense if everything is a splintered timeline, right? If everything which, is a splintered timeline, which is in an which answer. Case- yeah. Right. But one yeah. they seem to be specifically trying to fight against in that conversation with Bruce and the ancient one. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I really wish. Yeah. I mean, I almost wish that one had gone differently so that Bruce is the one who was saying, like, we'll bring it back so there's not a separate timeline. And the ancient one go, there's like a bajillion of them. Who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. Because She's not like, only would that be three more right now. But that would yeah. be very Sorcerer Supreme. Like, it's cool, dude. Yeah. Like As the Keeper yeah. of the Time Stone, she'd be pretty chill with it, you'd think. Or at least they could make her be chill with it. And Like, if it. anybody's going to understand it, the Keeper of the Time Stone <laughs> would be like, nah, I, trust me, I've been, this is not my first rodeo, right? You right. Know? <laughs> 
I don't know. All right. So um, let's talk about the alternate timeline in which uh, Hawkeye dies and Nat lives. The real one? <laughs> oh, no. You guys. Oh, I can't wait for this. I Listen, I had people saying there's a thing that happens and you're going to hate it. And, yeah. and after that scene with Nat and Clint, I was like, I bet that was the one everybody thought I was going to hate. And it's amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck you. No. No, no, no. You're going to appreciate this, I We're think. We're going to break out in a bar Is it because Nat wins? Is that why? No. No, no, no. It's because Hawkeye is her sidekick. Like, Hawkeye is there to represent the rest of the Avengers that Natasha is sacrificing herself for so that she can be the best possible, most heroic version of herself. Mm. Which is a thing yeah. she has been working on. Uh, bar except for the cul-de-sac of nonsense that is Age of Ultron. She's been working on it since the minute she showed up. You know, like, yeah, I'm just going to be an awful spy who murders Hawkeye. people. It's cool. And then, But I, now look, I <laughs> am not happy that Hawkeye is still alive. Okay. Right. But in that moment, <laughs> mm-hmm. I am, I am really here for Natasha, who just, you know, at, at the beginning of the movie said. Yeah. Uh, all I ever had was this family and this family that makes me better. And here I am even without them trying to be better. Mm-hmm. And again, we've talked about this with Tony too, that like um, our kind, our kind, our kind, our here is Captain America as far mm-hmm. as, you know, uh, uh, like a, like a guiding morality compass. And yeah. he would sacrifice himself to save everybody. <clears throat> and so did yeah. Tony try and do, and then finally in Avengers and then finally did in this one. I think, Yeah, I am good with Natasha having the single most heroically sacrificial moment and that it sidelines Hawkeye and makes him look like the chump he is in the process. I would be better with it if Tony didn't get get the only funeral. Okay, 1,000% accurate. Why did we not at least have a Black Widow wreath floating on the water or something? Like, yeah. Or a joint memorial or something like that. That's a degree 100%. I love Nat's moment, but the fact that we never celebrate it is a problem. Yeah. Well, see, here's the thing, though, about the whole Nat thing that makes me insane, right? This girl was taken as a baby, like as a child, and molded into an assassin and holds herself responsible for everything that she did until she finally like turned it around, you know, um, considers herself to be a monster, right? Yeah. I think that this allowing her to sacrifice herself so that she, you know, gets that ending and she's able to actually do something good is kind of a bullshit argument because this bad stuff that she did was not her fault. That was the result of abuse and kidnapping and terrible Mm -hmm. things that happened to her as a child. So this idea, like, we kind of have to accept the premise that Nat is a monster. You know, I would have taken, I would have accepted this from Hulk before I accepted it from Nat. I would have, because at least he did it, you know? And yeah, we just spent the first act of this movie establishing that Clint has become kind of a monster. And yes. Oh, that's my other bit. Let's talk about that a little bit. That's my other bit. (laughs) Yes sacrificed herself to give Clint an opportunity to pull himself out of his dark ways like he did for her in this largely informed backstory that we are understood that they had. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, that I can, if the, if the Black Widow's uh, standalone movie that's supposedly coming is a prequel that explain that gives us that backstory, 
ideally without Hawkeye in it, but I don't mm-hmm. think that's possible. Yeah. Um, we can all dream. <laughs> we can all dream. Um, yeah, then I could, I could, I could buy that a little more easily. But it's, it's, yeah. it's rough going with that informed backstory and. God, I just hate looking at Hawkeye. Oh, no, look, you guys, don't get me wrong. I really only like it because of what it does for Nat. If somehow Nat could have yeah. had the same, like, amazing heroic sacrifice ending and we also got rid of Hawkeye, high five. Mm-hmm. But we yeah. have to keep him around long enough to train the good Hawkeye. Right. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Like I, But, I mean, I have to say, though, the opening, right? Here we have this opening, and I've never, I've never hated Hawkeye the way that you hate Hawkeye, Joshua. But he's never been like my favorite. You know, he's just kind of like okay. Well, that's whatever. why we're still working um, together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but when we had this opening, right, and his entire family gets snapped, right? Um, I mean, for me, like I, that was the moment that I most felt for for him and that I I was you know with him like that vulnerability that pain like everything that he's going through I really felt for him in that and then he goes off on this like wild rogue adventure where he's just like killing everybody who helped Thanos along the way you know he's just killing criminals well okay yeah he's killing criminals but he's going off on this wild rogue thing so here's the thing we're Opening up with, you know, Nat, and I loved Nat in the beginning. I loved her messy hair. Mm-hmm. I loved that she had dyed it blonde and then just like, fuck it and let it grow. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was, you know, it was a mess. She didn't have makeup on. I loved all of that from her. That was so great because she's usually so quaffed, even while she's like killing people, you know? Yeah. That um, was good. For for once to have Nat not be serving the male gaze was really actually kind of nice. But we have this whole thing. She's so worried about Clint. And Clint's, you know, gone off the deep end and he's off book and he's doing this kind of, you know, he's he's going around and, and, you know, killing these people who had to do with who helped Thanos or criminals or whatever. Um, I kind of wanted to see him actually be worse. I wanted to see him having gone through the first tier of people that helped Thanos and then going to some people who helped the people who helped Thanos. Like, I, you know, and I guess we didn't really have time to make it a Clint story. Thank but like, God. if he's going to be going bad, right? <laughs> if he's going to be going bad, I want him actually going bad, you know, um, actually doing stuff that's... Um, that's not just, you know, not fully approved by the whatever, you know, World Council or whatever, but that he's actually like a little bit going going too crazy and actually see that from him. Mm. Um, I kind of wanted like that that bit of growth from him, in which case had we gotten a little bit more of that and he had thrown himself off the cliff. I get Scarlett Johansson doesn't want to come back. I mean, she's tired. It's a lot. It's a lot to do this stuff for 10 years. Like, I get it. I kind of have a meta thing here, too, where I like that Hawkeye's Mm -hmm. response to losing his family is the most lazily, toxically masculine thing he could do. Like, do you realize realize what a fucking chump you have to be to be the low-rent Punisher in the Marvel Universe? We already have a (laughs) low-rent Punisher. His name is the Punisher. (laughs) Punisher. Like, the position is fucking filled, and you're going to be like, oh is that the bottom of the barrel watch me dig watch me go to a lower tech version of my own old tech weapon i'm gonna go to sword motherfucker yeah i i like that the that his reaction was so evil enough for me lazy also also i have a really important question about hawkeye's family that this movie is not interested in answering at all where was the baby Oh, huh? Isn't that I awful? Don't know, they don't have the baby at the picnic. Left her. 
Oh Where's the baby? God. Oh my god, I hadn't even thought of that, Joshua. <laughs> How much time has passed between Age, Age of Ultron when she was pregnant? And well, she now? was the baby was born at the end of Age of Ultron, and it's more or less real oh, time. Oh, was it okay? Okay. All right. So and Age of Ultron is years? what? Twenty fourteen. So that's like four yeah. years. Five so years? I don't think that little boy. Oh no, maybe that little boy was Nathaniel. Yeah. Okay. All right. I take it back. I take it back. Maybe the little I boy think maybe. is Nathaniel. Okay. I just. I just had a very dark moment. That's fine. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> Hawkeye also strikes me as the kind of dude that would wander off into a field without thinking about the baby in a crib. Like he's, yeah. I don't really, I know, I know Age of Ultron went to great lengths to make us think that he was some kind of family guy, but I really feel like he's that kind of dad who like, like is just about to pull away and then goes, oh shit, the seat's on the roof, you know? Yeah. <laughs> god. Oh god. See, you, this should be you hearing me how much I don't like Hawkeye and I still think Natasha's sacrifice was the was like a really good that because I don't give a shit about Hawkeye, right? That's the other thing. If Hawkeye right. had died there, none of us would care. It had to be somebody we cared mm-hmm. about. And it had to be somebody who had actually been trying to be better. And this is this is why I love Natasha in Winter Soldier because you watch that shift happen mm-hmm. as she's buddy copping around with captain america until at the end she's like no we got to burn it all down you know and then again we have these terrible cul-de-sac that is avengers age of ultron and you know whatever we have to deal Mm -hmm. with it it exists blah blah but this feels more Mm -hmm. like it's on track for her here i am still trying to do better and that is just combine that with that i mean i'm gonna go ahead it's this is kind of like a all the love stories on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where I don't believe any of them, mm-hmm. but they want me to, so I'm going to go ahead and buy it. That's how I am with Clint and <laughs> Natasha's backstory, you know? Yeah. And so yeah. with her giving him an opportunity to stop being the shit heel that he had become, that's a mirror to what he had done for her. I love it. The circuits were closed as far as Black Widow's concerned with me. <laughs> okay, yeah, it just does, it doesn't work for me, and I think big part of that is that like Nat's uh, not only is her backstory with uh, with Clint, you know, largely informed, we don't see it; we're just told about it, right? Um, her, you know, quote unquote monstrosity, yeah. you know, um, is also uninformed or is also informed, and um, not to mention the fact that the last time we had her really referencing her monstrosity. It was very unfortunately, I don't think deliberately um, aligned with the idea of infertility makes her a monster, you know, but, but yeah, because sure was there to be screwed read up. Yeah. yeah, we've screwed up every discussion of her quote unquote monstrosity and haven't spent the kind of time developing her the way that we have with somebody like Tony, you know, where we've seen him go. Mm-hmm. You know, like across this spectrum of of quote unquote goodness, you know, Um <laughs> So I mean, like I like, like quote unquote that, goodness for Tony. I'm just I'm, yeah, yeah, quote unquote goodness. Like because his even when he's good, he's kind of a little bit bad, which is sort of why I like him. But um, but Blade I and tragic I don't know. Tristan men. Yeah, tragic Tristan <laughs> men. Um, but the um, I think like the whole thing with Nat is I if if I felt more of that history, if I felt more, if I had seen her do some bad shit, if we had taken the time to turn her bad rather than just have her talk about this stuff in her history after she has risked her life and limb a number of times to save the world, you know, um, there's a certain point where I, I don't feel that history, and so this moment when it was the two of them and they were doing that 
ridiculous. Oh, I fell. No, you fell. No, I fell. No, you hang up first. Like that bullshit. <laughs> um, I think like at that moment, I just I had enough of that. I just wanted her to push Clint over and be like, yeah, OK, you go. And yeah. then, but when then it was she would have been Black Widow from Age of Ultron. And we've been there. I'm just OK. I'm, yeah. I've no, said I my get piece. It. Like, I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get your point of view. I just, in the moment, didn't feel it. And while intellectually I can't appreciate that that is, a, like, a, a good thing, if if she had been with anybody but Clint, and I know it has to be Clint in order for it to pa- pay off, but just, like, yeah. anybody but Clint, sacrificing Black Widow for Clint is just a bad trade. The subtitle <laughs> of the next Avengers okay. movie should be Avengers colon anybody but Clint. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think right. I have the pettiest yeah. reason of all to hate Hawkeye, which is that I yeah. find Jeremy Renner hideous and uncharismatic. So the mm-hmm. fact that we had to deal with him for the rest of the movie with worse hair than usual. I mean, it was oh, just yeah, hard to look at. bad hair. It was terrible hair. bad hair. It would be one thing if he just didn't get it cut at all, because that's like depression Thor, which is sure. another thing we're going to have to talk about in a bit. Um, but instead, he like deliberately went to somebody yeah, because you can't get that cut without going to somebody and saying, "Do this to my head," right? Um, <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Hawkeye's Hawkeye's. Wow, we got to get off of Hawkeye, but Hawkeye's like whole thing is so fucking performative. Did you note know the giant arm sleeve tattoo? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like oh, seventeen twenty-four hours of tattooing. Not to mention the six or eight weeks of healing properly, like. <laughs> yeah. hard to swing hard to let a bow go and uh bowstring go when you have that going yeah on. so right. and it's like i'm and gonna go get a sword. sleeve tattoo and a shitty haircut <laughs> it's like some performative right. bad boyness but that that is you know that is performative grief like that's the thing like real grief you know you're sitting around you're letting your hair grow like thor you know, you're eating Doritos. Like that's real creep. Like you, don't, you don't go out and like get a special haircut and and tattoos to be like, see my grief. Although I guess, however, how anybody does grief is the way they do grief. Whatever. That is um, what you right, would do so if you were to... an even lower rent punisher. I'm just gonna say. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. But yeah, let's Fair move on enough. from Hawkeye. Anyway, Hawkeye. Yes. Fair enough. Which let's was go mostly about Black Widow. Let's... I like. I am prepared to be added uh, yes. to hell and gone, but I <laughs> really like that ending or an ending like that, like a sacrificial ending mm-hmm. for Nat. And the fact that she chumps Hawkeye along the way is a bonus point for me. That's where I came down. All yeah, right. That's okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> One um, person was satisfied with the Black Widow ending. Right. And that's good. <laughs> no, that's good. Um, okay. So Thor, depressed Thor. What did you guys think? wasn't my cup of tea mm-hmm. um i it was fun to see like he's sort of made a a, li- a a ragnarok style life for himself with uh uh korg and and meek but mm-hmm. like yeah i as a heavier person i don't really love the uh the fact that thor looking l- looking thinner than me is uh-huh. depressed thor as a as a code for he's let his life go to shit right mm-hmm. so that wasn't great. I didn't love that. Yeah, the body shaming was not great. That's the um, thing for me. Like, yeah, I appreciated that we kind of watched the various Avengers fall apart in their own way, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Nat gets hyper-focused on work. I think that Captain America mm-hmm. winds up leading a support group that he actually went to because he needed a support group. I mean... I we watched, and that's that. what Sam would have done, and Sam wasn't there to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, and that's so great. So I yeah. like that we see 
this kind, that kind of thing. And if we had left it at Thor, let himself go, you know, like Thor is just Mm -hmm. not putting the effort in because he's depressed at the way his life turned out. I don't hate that decision. Oh, not it's at all. The, fact the hair that and the dirty clothes I'm good an with. endless litany of jokes about it that makes yes, it a problem. That is exactly For me. it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I've really been really torn on this because I came out and the discourse has kind of been fat suits are bad. And I'm like, I do think fat suits are bad, but I don't think this is the worst character choice for Thor. And where I finally no. landed mm-hmm. was it's everybody else's asshole reaction to it that makes it bad. Yes. Mm. No, that's absolutely it. And the thing is that, like, there's a certain brand of humor that follows Thor around like a fart cloud. And it's in Ragnarok, and I hated it in Ragnarok. We had it in um, in the original Thor, you know, where it's, it's just like this silly kind of slapstick comedy um, that we get with this god of frickin' thunder. Like, he's, he's supposed to be a deal, and we constantly sort of undercut that. And, I mean, there is something in that that can be fun and that can be funny, but it just has never, ever worked for me. And now, you know, Thor, uh, like, has never been, as anybody's listened to me talk about the other, uh, the other movies, um, has never been really my favorite um, because he's, he's this mystical, magical god from another planet. He's, he's so overpowered. Um, and, uh, and so, like, it's, it's never really sat well with me. And then we do these really kind of slapsticky joke things with him that always feel just off like I want to see no matter how magical or alien or whatever any particular character is the code is always human you know we're all they're always coded as human because they're Mm -hmm. people that make choices and have free will and whatever like you know so in the end even though we represent all of these things in these fantasy and science fiction worlds as alien or magical or mystical or whatever they're all human and i wanted yeah. to see thor's human journey i wanted to see thor's struggling with you know with his experiences and what this all has done to him and his incredible amount of loss and i mean you know loki died at the beginning of um of infinity war that's a huge thing for him to go through and then to have have that failure have the snap and everybody lost and all of this stuff when he's the powerful one he's the one like he could really feel like yeah these guys are superheroes but i'm a god i should have been able to stop it and i wanted in the moment thanos even told him should have gone for the head thor can very specifically point to the exact thing he could have done better yes Yes, and living with that when he knew that he he had the power, he could have done it. So, um, so all of that I find taking this magical, you know, mystical, mythical god, right, and then doing this transformation with him, which I love. You know, I love what happens to somebody with that much power when they get under this very human experience of grief and loss and failure, you know, like what happens to have him have such a human experience and then to use it as a joke. I mean, not just the fat shaming, but the depression, like the mental Mm -hmm. illness discussion that happens around that, like all of these things that I feel with Thor, we could have done in, in a much, much better, better way and a much more interesting way working with that character arc and instead it became a trampoline for you know really flat really stupid jokes i can wrap the best and worst of thor and endgame into one scene the scene with his mom where he is 
crying at his own failure and that she is Mm. like just such a mom to him, you know, and gets it. And then, but then the whole thing ends with and eat a salad. Oh God. Yes. That is the highest high and the lowest low. And it really shows like how this could have been an amazing thing. But by the way, we're going to go for Mm -hmm. a gag. You know, but I love that he never I kept expecting him at the end with both hammers and all that to like lightning strike him and come back as full yeah. Hemsworth, you know, and that they never yeah, did that. I expected he just, that too. He just kind of overfills the, the old armor, you know, it was good. Like that, that's why I said there was I was real torn about this. I had to be part of the discourse for a minute to figure out right. why, <laughs> why I was like, no, but I like this for this character, but it's also shitty. Where is the shitty? And the shitty is kind of everybody yeah. else, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. including mom. Cause Renee Russo just shows up and does everything she should have been doing throughout the entirety of dark world. Yes. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. I'm done. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, another thing I kind of want to talk about, and this is something that's going to get me tremendous amounts of hate, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. Uh, Captain Marvel. (laughs) Maybe I'll let you guys start the talk about Captain Marvel. (laughs) Well, I don't... I thought she was kind of underutilized. Yeah. I don't like Captain Marvel. I don't like Captain Marvel. I didn't like her movie, and I absolutely hated her in this. And I feel really bad about that because people are going to absolutely give me such a hard time because everybody's like fawning over how wonderful Captain Marvel is. And all right, all right, right, I'm going to go ahead and make Including me. (laughs) That's fine. That's fine. I'm glad because the listeners are going to get mad at me and whatever. It's fine. Um, I also hate Muppets and I hate poetry. All right. There's just a lot of things I hate. Um, So... I I don't like Captain Marvel. I didn't enjoy her movie because she's way overpowered and we have no vulnerability. And for me, like in order for a character to be engaging, I need that level of vulnerability to actually feel something from her. Um, Also, she's doesn't actually uh, like seem to express a whole lot of emotion. And then to have a man telling her that she's being too emotional when she doesn't express a whole lot of emotion at all. Also really, really annoying. So I, I didn't like that from the original movie. Um, and she's just way overpowered. She's a nuclear bomb that can fly into the sky and kill anything she wants with her laser eyes. Like, <laughs> way, way overpowered. And that's why they didn't use her in this movie. Because if you have Captain Marvel, everybody else can sit back and have a soda. You know, like, That is not why they did not use her in this movie. Uh, also, I disagree with the entire premise of that thesis. These are superhero okay. movies. You literally cannot be overpowered. There's yes. no way. No, you absolutely can. No, because superhero movies are you... still stories. They're still yeah. stories. And if you have a character. Su- but you can't. But they're stories about people with superpowers. You cannot be overpowered in a superhero Yes, story. if you are way more powerful than everything that you're facing, then the but, answer to but everything Lonnie, is have Captain Marvel take care of it. Lonnie, the villain in this killed trillions with a snap of his right. fingers there's yes. a fucking scale <laughs> that must be reckoned use, with and they still didn't have captain marvel because as soon as she showed up she just started lasering her eyes at people and everything's fine like she in the in the <laughs> battle is able to go up to you know i mean it's she's way overpowered i mean i'm and sorry joshua I, you okay. and i are just gonna have to agree to disagree yeah. on this premise one. rejected that's be. not an actual thing in superhero comics yeah. it is it's an actual be. thing in storytelling and superhero comics are storytelling <laughs> you can't be over that's Poor crazy Rob everybody has everybody uh, in every story who is a protagonist <laughs> has protagonist powers yes what those mean 
change with the type of scale of the story. Yes. But they still just have protagonist powers. As a lifelong Superman fan, I, I back this. <laughs> okay. No, I'm sorry. I, that's why Superman doesn't interest me either. I know. Thank we've you. talked that's about That's not why Superman doesn't interest you. It doesn't. In, Superman doesn't interest you because you have not read a story that actually makes the best use of his actual vulnerabilities, which BT dubs is not lifting shit. Oh. <laughs> right. Well, okay. And if Superman has actual vulnerabilities, then that's great. But, like, Captain Marvel does... Not and so what Captain Marvel feels she does in like... her movie she doesn't in this and this is also going to speak to the underutilization mm-hmm. she could not be utilized sort of to what we would consider her fullest here because this movie's not about her yeah this movie's about closing the book on our first batch of Avengers and she's the future and she's the future oh dear God well that's okay oh yeah buckle um... up yeah <laughs> she's the new Captain America no yeah. can no. oh yeah. Can we talk no. about... Oh, all right. Anyway, Rob, go ahead. We're <laughs> yeah. just in the middle of this fight. Poor Sorry, Rob's the one the thing middle. that, I, that re- related to Captain Marvel that I uh, I felt really strongly about... For, okay, side note. I adore, both from her movie and from this movie, that wrecking up giant spaceships is her wheelhouse. Like, if you need a giant <laughs> spaceship wrecked up, that is her task, and she will take it up I'm just going to fly through it. Is that cool, you guys? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the thing I actually wanted to bring up was um, the big girl power scene mm-hmm. and how sort of... It felt to me very much like Marvel sort of declaring victory when they'd barely gotten to the starting point yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yes, look at all these female characters, almost all of whom are like the girlfriend of someone else or haven't actually had, you know, haven't had a movie of themselves in nearly all cases. And, right. you know, it's it felt very, very unearned pandery. And it was it one is, of the few moments of the movie yes. that just totally took me out. It's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Well, that was the thing that made me nuts, too. And this is the thing that I also don't like about Captain Marvel is that I feel like Captain Marvel is like <laughs> um, is like all these men who are like, OK, girls, you want to have this character who just like you're going to have. A, we're going to give you a girl and she's going to do everything. And it's it's not actually treating this character like she's a human person, because, again, I don't care if they're alien Every, all of these characters are coded human. We tell stories about people. Yeah. Oh, so, and she is human. And she is. Well, yeah, she's <laughs> kind of alien. But um, <laughs> I think she's... she's Isn't everybody? Everybody. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole philosophical discussion. But um, Oh, no, I meant in these movies. Yeah. <laughs> yes, do a go bit. on. Most, most of them are at least a little bit. Um, but so we have this, like, the, here we give you this woman who can do everything and, you know, and doesn't need a man to loosen up the jar top for her and, like, all this, you know, <laughs> all this kind of stuff. Um, and it feels very much like it's not written to actually give us a female character who, first of all, is not solely there for the male gaze, which at least Captain Marvel isn't, whereas Nat super, super was. Um, and, uh, and, and so it felt like, here, girls, here you go. We're just going to throw this at you. We're going to make her perfect. Like, she's perfect. She's beyond perfect. She's flawless. She does everything right, you know. Um, she even makes short hair look good, right? Um, which is not easy, I'll tell you. Um, but all of that felt like too much. It felt like we're not writing an actual character. We're just going to be like, all right, girls, this is what you want. We're going to give you somebody perfect, and then we're going to have all the interesting shit happen for the men. So I don't like her. I every time I hated every minute that she was on screen in the movie. All of it irritated me. And I know that everybody loves her, and I'm just going to have to live with it. She's going to have to work a little harder to get me because I just don't like this character 
at all. I am not interested. And that's cool. I I think in this movie she was like like I said, deeply underutilized. She's not very yeah. interesting in this movie at all. Um mm-hmm. she is a plot device to, to rescue Tony at the beginning and then to give us the the completely pandery girl power moment toward the end. Yes, and, and then to bugger it. off and be like, oh, I've got a million planets to watch. What, you think your shit's a big deal? Except for that, this shit snapped the entire universe, half of the entire universe. Like, those planets would be also affected by this. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. That's why she was off being awesome for a whole galaxy. Right, and we didn't <laughs> care. No, also we because we didn't planet. know... Yeah. what she was yet because they hadn't written her movie when they were working on this and yeah I, yeah that's probably true here's the the deal one thing this is actually an interesting segue maybe um i feel like this movie fixed a bunch of shit that it had inherited from 10 years and a whole bunch of different hands touching it mm. and yeah. well if not fixed if not fixed because it's not that they could fix it right it's already done right but they course it did its best with yes within its three hour running time it did its best to cor- course correct and mm-hmm. i mean the number one example of this is tony stark mm-hmm. i feel less squiggy about the entire rest of the mcu now that that the mcu recognized that tony stark is a shit heel right. and and he gets an, an actual heroic ending where he goes yeah i was a shit heel and i'm gonna go fix this and <laughs> he had a cap moment right yeah. like um, so now, like, I'm prepared to return to movies I did not like the first time, mm-hmm. like Homecoming. Yeah. Because I didn't like what Tony Stark was doing to, like, just his gravity, just twisting the story out of out of shape. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to go back to that and see if I have different feelings for it now that I know it ends with sort of a meta-realization of what they had done to him. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's similar when it comes to the, the sort of girl power moment, which... Um, did work for me a little bit, but mostly because I know about the comic book series A-Force, which is Captain Marvel leading a group of all-lady Avengers, and it mm-hmm. was amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And so because I saw all this other stuff that this movie was doing to try and course correct, I was like, I'm going to let this go and yeah. assume it's a promise for the future. Yeah, you and know? maybe yeah. I will come back to this like you did with Homecoming, or you're thinking about it with Homecoming, and I'll feel better about it when, it, when I've seen yes. the next five years of movies or something. Yes, that's my hope. That's my real hope. So I was like, I like this as a down payment, you know, mm-hmm. as a promise. Sure. Right. But it's not, it's it's too little too late here. At the same time, what the fuck did I expect Endgame to do about 10 years of misogyny and sexism? Yeah. <laughs> you know, right. they did the best they could. You yeah, know? They, I did, think uh, just, they did better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that scene though felt to me like really ham-fisted. I guess it, it's, yeah, it felt yeah. like here you go, girls. Yeah. You know, and I'm yeah. like, okay, yes. like I love Okoye, and I have to say, I think that the most feminist um, movie that Marvel has done so far was Black Panther. Uh, the mm-hmm. women in Black Panther were fully realized. They were not overpowered, which I will argue is absolutely <laughs> a fucking thing. Um, you are welcome to your incorrect opinions, just aw, like all of God's children. Aw, love you, baby. Oh, um, this one's going to be a thing. This protagonist powers thing is going to be a thing. All but right. that's we'll for have the that argument later. <laughs> Let's kick that down repeatedly because that's a that's an argument that needs to be had over some form of alcohol. But um, <laughs> yes, but I mean this moment, like like Black Panther was the most as a woman i went to black panther and felt like 
it really took those female characters and actually respected them and built them yeah. into something rather than just this kind of pandering. Let's give you this all powerful lady, yeah. lady girl. And, totally. You know, and then you can do that. So, so I felt disappointed because they had gotten it right in Black Panther. And then mm. we kind of, it felt regressive to me to go back to Captain Marvel and have that experience. And then Captain Marvel in Endgame was, uh, was really irritating for me and did not enjoy her. So someday Marvel might turn me around on Captain Marvel, but it ain't likely um, <laughs> if they keep doing this stuff. But let's go ahead and talk a little bit about kind of the big thing, you know, like the, the Tony arc. Right. We've touched on this a little yes, bit. Yes, at last. Friends. I mean, my God. Right. So, Joshua, you've never really liked Tony Stark. I, of course, do, because as we've discussed, terrible taste in men. Um, so <laughs> I'm completely here for Tony. Um, so so tell me a little bit about like you know, about that experience of, of having him reframed for you so that you might enjoy him more now as you go past. So I actually liked Tony a lot at the beginning, like mm-hmm. Iron Man, the first movie. Yeah being a like a full face turn is mm-hmm. tremendous right like that is yeah. that is huge i mean especially considering like where we were and where we are politically with uh you know shooting people and blowing things up in the middle east and to just kind of right. own that and mm-hmm. wrap that up in our superhero before he was a superhero and then have his origin realizing that he's been kind of bad and should do something different is yeah. amazing mm-hmm. the problem is it never paid off except for at the end of Avengers where it was way too early for us to kill him. Mm-hmm. And then we immediately go back to the same old shit with mm-hmm. Tony. And there's and we've talked about this because we've covered most of the movies he's in or the biggest chunk of them. There's never any consequences for his repeatedly shitty decisions. Yeah. You know, and I was a little worried about where they were going with him at the beginning of this movie because he comes back angry at Captain America for yet another one of Tony Stark's fuck ups. And if there's not a thesis statement for Tony Stark, it's that. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. I am mad at you for not being around to clean up my shit that you said you would be around to clean up. Well, yeah, I also think super Tony Stark. (laughs) Tony's issue with Cap, I mean, seems to me, and Rob, I'd love to hear your opinion on this. But Mm. Tony's issue with Cap is that Cap is everything that he cannot be. Yeah, and it made and he made flesh. Everything that Tony (laughs) will never be able to be made flesh, and I think that he resists that. You know, I think that's practically textual. I think it's the first Avengers movie that um, he talks about how his dad used to talk about Cap all the time. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely the right read what? everything special about you came from a test tube yeah oh tony honey i'm sorry pumpkin yeah <laughs> yeah i don't fucking think so <laughs> one thing i did really like though about uh the way they set up tony in this movie uh is by giving him you know a, you know a successful family like he has a child and, and is like yeah. happy the idea that he has something invested in the current timeline and therefore has a pretty understandable reason to resist yes. this whole time travel thing yeah, yeah. I felt that was really good, a really strong choice to give us some uh, Act One conflict. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I really that. Yeah, so I was super worried about Tony at the beginning, and then when he comes in and he's like, "But we can't lose any of this," I was like, "Oh, oh, glimmers of hope, glimmers mm-hmm. of hope." And my real, my real sort of big picture issue is that if we kept treating Tony Stark like he'd never done anything wrong or never made a bad decision, even though that is demonstrably untrue. Mm-hmm. That's kind of undermining to, I guess, the moral thesis of the MCU, you know, like we can't have Tony Stark standing next to Steve Rogers, standing next to 
Thor. Like, they're not... Thor makes bad decisions and realizes it, and then Thor's his way through it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Cap's problems are that he does the best he can and then realizes that the world is still pretty broken, but he won't bend, right? That's Mm -hmm. where his stuff is. But with Tony, I'm going to borrow, actually, my uh, my co-author, Dan Swenson, said this to me once, and it is the perfect summation of Tony Stark for me, is that uh, Tony Stark has a long list of things that he can do to improve his life and the life of others. And every time he gets to quiet self-reflection on that list, (laughs) he crosses it off and says, nah, never work. (laughs) I know, but he's so great, though, and I love Tony so much. (laughs) But now, now we saw him do that. He Mm -hmm. had five years of quiet self-reflection and realized it's basically his fucking fault. I mean, not Thanos, but like yeah. mm-hmm. Peter is his fault. He can't blame Captain America for Peter. Yeah. Uh, 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 Ultron is his fault. Can't blame anybody else. Like he'd, he'd had that time to like come to grips with that. And his response to that then is to fix everything, mm-hmm. even if it costs him everything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Now it's kind of like my Nat, why I'm, why I'm okay with Natasha's sacrifice. Like mm-hmm. I, I get it. You're now, you're now this you've done something ultimately heroic, right? That, Mm -hmm. that we can, I can now look back at all of his appearances and see that they were all moving towards this moment instead of a bunch of hands forgetting what they should be doing with Tony Stark just so he can come around and be Tony Stark. Right. Right. And, and this whole, like, you're not the guy to make the sacrifice play, which has been a refrain for him, even though he did, he did, you know, in Avengers, he did, we weren't ready to lose him yet. So we pulled him back from it. Um, But that, that he would make those choices now, you know, the kinds of choices that he's making now, you know, are about making that sacrifice play about doing the thing that needs to be done. Um, and then, you know, saving the world, bringing all these people back because he was able to do that. And then, of course, he loses everything. He loses his daughter growing up. You know, he loses Pepper. Um, but he made that choice knowing what knowing what it was going to be and still made that choice anyway and didn't try to find a way like a Tony Stark way to like, you know, yeah. where I can do everything and still, you know, mm. keep the things for me. Um, so I loved all of that about him. I just was – while you were saying that, I was realizing um, – so we, we he has the sacrifice play in Avengers, and mm-hmm. then we give him PTSD in his next movie. Yes. And I feel like – and this is not – this is about fiction. This is not about real world and actual PTSD at all. But I feel like the character who is actually okay with his sacrifice play doesn't get PTSD from it afterward. Mm-hmm. I like. I feel like yeah. that is the fiction telling us that he wasn't actually ready to do that. That was a weird, impulsive no. thing. Not not a noble. Yeah, sacrifice. that's yes. really good. Yeah, that's because really, yeah. Cap does that all the time. I mean, Cap before he was a super soldier threw himself down on what he thought was a grenade. Yeah, he didn't have you any know? trouble with that afterward. And he he dealt with it. You know, I, I do I do have to say though, I love dark beardy Cap. <laughs> do not agree. I do I do I miss, love dark beardy Cap. I do miss sad Cap. But I also understand why we could not have sad cap. No, I'm I'm movie. I'm happy like, for him to come out of it. I just enjoy I enjoy dark broody cap. Yeah. Not he me. was pretty I don't want to know about dark and broody. He visually obviously not. Like he shaved yeah. off his Mr. Mom beard because it's business time. <laughs> but but he was really 
and I mean, there's some subtlety and nuance to this, but like that Chris Evans, I think was doing, but he is saying the right things to his support group yeah, because they're also the things he needs to hear. Like he's not doing great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I uh, like that. I like I it mean, is. It's good. Yeah. It's good. I love cap. I, I never am a huge fan of the, you know, capital G good. We've talked about this a number of times. I am able to accept it with cap because he does have true, genuine vulnerability because it is genuine to him and not performative goodness, mm-hmm. which I really, really like. Um, so that makes it work for me. But when, but I also like, I think there's, I like seeing people struggle even with their goodness, you know, and mm-hmm. struggle mm-hmm. with the things that they have to do in order to be who they are. And for Cap, for Tony, it was always a kind of a slouching toward goodness. You know, he sort of <laughs> gradually <laughs> fell into it, sort of backward and against his will. Whereas Cap always had this kind of, he was always kind of like the the homing beacon for mm. the right thing, you know, for yeah, doing totally. the right yeah. thing. And I, I like that. I like that he has to struggle with that a little bit because the right thing is almost never the easy thing. And he will choose the right thing every day and twice on Sundays. Yes. And I love yeah. that about him, but we still make him wear the, the take the burden of that as well. And so I like the way that we had that with him. But Rob, you say you don't like, you don't like broody cap. No, no, no. Um, I mean, Lifelong Superman fan, and since Superman uh-huh. hasn't been in a good movie in years, Cap has been my my surrogate, and so sure. I really want him. Like one of my favorite, other than Mjolnir, uh, one of my favorite Cap <laughs> moments ever is the the bit in Winter Soldier when he just gives the speech to to all the Shield people. That mm-hmm. that yeah. is what I want out of Superman, you know, and well, I'll take out of Cap happily is that yes, my presence here inspires and ennobles everyone around me. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's yes, that's the yeah. Not lifting heavy shit is what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly right. right. <laughs> well, it is. I mean, Cap's true superpower is in his ability to maintain that goodness. Mm-hmm. But I, I, if it's easy, then it feels less satisfying to me. You know, I like that it takes yeah, a joke no, out totally. of him. Yes. Yeah. And we'll, let's not talk about Superman anymore. Okay. Today. We, we have a three have hour this... movie we're still talking about. We don't need to add extra <laughs> textual <to>. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> hey, while we're, okay, we're kind of talking about Cap. How do we feel about Sam as the new Captain America, Fuck you yeah. guys? Oh my God, yes. It I was either going to be Bucky Sam. or him, and I'm so glad it was him because I don't give a shit about Bucky. <laughs> okay, I really love Bucky. I really do. But I'm super glad they went with Sam. Because I feel like that Bucky that's standing there would have said no. Like, yeah. I'm not yeah. ready. That's not for me. That's fair. That's you fair. Um, yeah, and Bucky the reason would have he would say the that is the that. reasons that I love Bucky. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, I'm, I'm here to try and do good. I'm here to try and not be that guy anymore. But also, I'm still a little bit that guy. Do not give me that shield. Right. You know? Right. And it has to be Sam. Yeah. I mean, because Sam, I think, is probably the only character, although we haven't spent nearly enough time with him. And I'm also very excited because if he's the new cap, that means we get actual Sam, you mm-hmm. know. Um, but it, it needs to be him because I think he's the only one who can carry the the weight, not just physically, but the, like the metaphorical weight of that cap identity, you know, and what mm-hmm. that means. Like, I think he's yeah. the natural yeah. heir, you know, for that role. But that also, I want to see it take it you know i want to see it take its toll on him i want to see mm. these characters struggle that's that's where the like good fictional stuff is at so i'm I'm very excited about that i'm also really excited because the um the sam uh, captain america costume is 
boss, and I, I want to see that on yes. the big screen. He's got the he's got the falcon wings still, but he's you know got cap colors and everything. I love it. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I have to say, getting more people of color, getting yeah, oh, yeah. more variety, more diversity in like our main players. For um, sure. That's huge. That's huge. And we, we need more of that. Yeah. So speaking I'm of- now a little confused about Disney Plus's announcement of a Falcon and the Winter Soldier show. Yeah, that confuses mm-hmm. me too. I wonder if it's actually going to be Captain America and the Winter Soldier and they just couldn't say that yet. Maybe. Maybe. My fingers are crossed. Yeah. Yeah, it but, may be. But speaking of the future of the Marvel Universe, um, I was reflecting on the fact that we're now presumably stuck at five years in the future. I really want to see, like, in in the, the bigger movies, the, I don't know how to say, the, the, the movies that deal in a larger scale, um, some some societal implications of having, you know, half the population disappear and then come back five years later. I want, I want like, maybe in, a, in the Black Panther 2, I want to have them, like, helping people deal with the, the problems that came up from that. But yeah. I but I was yeah. but I was thinking about that and I realized but the next movie is Spider Man and I definitely don't want Spider Man to be stuck with that. Absolutely not. But <laughs> that is not a Peter Parker problem. That is not a Peter yeah. Parker problem. But what I do want desperately now out of Far From Home is um a version of that terrific uh, Civil War recap we got at the beginning of Homecoming, where we sort of recontextualize the last huge event movie from a teenager's perspective and sort of make it smaller and on a cell phone, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, absolutely. We can only hope. We can only absolutely. hope. I also have to say, and this is going to um, this is going to annoy Lonnie endlessly, but um, <laughs> the brief interaction between Peter and Carol was so good that I that I that I accidentally go to space with carol in her third movie <laughs> <laughs> i would enjoy that very much <laughs> just that moment he's like hi, hi i'm i'm peter parker which also is a callback to infinity war when he's like okay we're doing real names cool you yeah, know right. god yes. i love them so much <laughs> and she and i know lonnie can't stand her but brie larson <sighs> is so fucking cool as carol danvers and she's just like hey peter parker Got something for me? <laughs> Fucking awesome! Go to space. No, honestly, if you if you give her Spider Man, I will be I will be in for Captain Marvel. If but Spider-Man they have to go to space. Yes, because I don't he want brings her to go to all Queens. the vulnerability. He is nothing but vulnerability. I love yeah. I love Spider Man. I love all of that. So if we if we have her with him somehow and he can make her, I don't know, interesting or whatever, then great. I'm in. You know, like I'm not <laughs> I'm not gonna hold it against her. If they find a way to make her interesting and make her like an actual, you know, character, mm-hmm. um, then great. But right now she's just this cardboard, you know, little bit of perfection and we'll I, fight about that when we actually do her movie because I also reject the premise of that argument. Pin Okay. Moving on. Right. Moving on. Peter right. goes to space. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Peter goes to space. Uh, yes, Peter goes to space would be awesome. All right, so um, one of the things that I absolutely loved in this movie was this traipse through all of the other movies Fuck, where we are yes. in the background of these experiences that we've had before. It was delightful. What did you guys think about that? Rob, how'd you like that? That was my, I'm, I'm, I'm going to skip ahead and say that's my favorite part. Um, yeah. I fucking loved that whole second act. Uh, everything about that from like which movies they chose, which were partially yes. informed by logistics. But it was, yeah, just chef kiss the whole way down. I enjoyed everything mm-hmm. that happened there. I loved it. Oh, and I, I experienced all the feelings when Cap says Hail Hydra. <laughs> oh. oh, my God. <laughs> Every 
every single emotion I think I hit in some sort of br- brief nanosecond of emotive intensity. <laughs> oh my god, that that was completely crazy. Josh, what'd you think? Well, I I really liked the tourism of our previous movies without it just being tourism. I liked it yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought that the only time that it bothered me is when it got a little too jokey. Mm-hmm. Um, Captain America telling himself that he can do this all day is a bridge too far, friends. That um, bother me. Yeah. We've, we've already discussed uh, Rene Russo suggesting salads. You yeah. know, yeah. like when it mm-hmm. got jokey is when I was like, can we just be serious? It's the fate of the universe, people. You know? <laughs> right. And this is such a huge, you know, I mean, these are huge moments, you know, for these people to revisit. Let Let me flip this. America's ass. I was is just amazing. about to say America's ass in defense of that moment. No, America's <laughs> ass is great. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. Not so great. Okay, mm-hmm. I I loved both of those moments. The salad one was was a problem for me. Yeah. I feel I'm trying to remember. There was one for. There was one of and Hulk's was really great because that was clearly <laughs> you're wildly outmatched. Bruce is just delightful, and I'm trying to think. Anyway. It's yeah, the the tourism of previous movies is uh, is great. And also a really a really interesting and unex again, I had no idea what to expect, but the idea that Nebula's um source of vulnerability, her cybernetics would well, like her personal yeah. vulnerability. They are yeah, a symbol yeah. of what Thanos did to her and how she could never measure up to Gamora, you know. Right. Would be her undoing is just mm-hmm. like heart-wrenching and terrible. Oh my God! Yeah, Nebula is ter- like what happens to Nebula and the ways in which she is so manipulated and abused, and then in the bad guy, you know, she has to face herself, her own past as a bad guy. Like that whole thing, I thought was wonderful. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, she was she was fantastic. I, I want to come back to Nebula and Gamora because I have a lot of feelings, but we're on tourism right now. So <laughs> we're on tourism right now. Yes, um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that it was it was because it does feel like the kind of thing that would end up being fan service. You know, like it's yeah. it's like oh yeah. here we are and look we're in this. Remember when we were here? But they actually made it really work. I mean, for the most part, for the uh, for the now of the the movie, and that is just genius making that work. Mm-hmm. Again, it's that it's that writing architecture that I just like. Wow. Yeah. Yes, writing architecture is a really good phrase for this. I think because then when we have to go on a little further tangent with. Cap and Tony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We get to see. So I so this is this is kind of this may be controversial. I don't think Tony worked out his dad issues in that scene. I think he'd already worked them out being a dad. Yeah. And the fact that he got to kind of go give dad advice to his dad. You know, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah that was just, a good closure thing. Yeah. I like yes, I like it as closure. Like it wasn't fixing it. He'd already fixed it. He'd been a dad for five years and was clearly doing a pretty good job of it. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Um but to go back there and be okay with the fact that Howard wasn't gonna be the best dad, but mm-hmm. still appreciate this moment that he got to have his dad back for a minute, you mm-hmm. know, even yeah. in the weirdest possible circumstances. <laughs> strong <laughs> business. Yeah. Yeah, it was good yeah stuff. no, I thought that was really, really great. Um, so one of the things I kind of wanted to pop back to uh, was this idea of the integrated Hulk. But is he, though? What did you guys think of that? <laughs> 
And that's my answer. But is he, though? <laughs> well, I mean, he's he's Hulk with glasses. I was glad that they did something different with the Hulk than we've seen thus far. And that seemed to be the mandate yes. between Infinity War yeah. and this one was just sort of Hulk is kind of boring. Hulk is a little one mm-hmm. note. So let's mm-hmm. uh, let's do something else. And actually, Ragnarok, yeah. too. Every single movie that Hulk has appeared in, they, they have to do. It seems like they have to do something different because otherwise he's just super one note and i was glad they hit this one too i don't need to see any more of bruce though i think they could be done with him except maybe as Mm -hmm. a minor cameo if someone needs some gamma information right (laughs) what do you think joshua well okay yeah so i really like seeing professor hulk uh Mm -hmm. this is a comic book callback to the days when i actually read hulk comics so that's Mm kind of boss um the, the big difference there and where i'm prepared to have all manner of conversations is i don't actually think this is an integration Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This is Banner driving Hulk's body. Mm. Hulk's not oh, in there. Yeah. No. Fair enough. Hulk is still like He's pushed down into Hulk. the subconscious. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think we saw that with the fact that Banner can't even pretend to be Hulk. Like he's like, it's. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's too much, you guys. I think it's too much. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, and then like the half-assed way he's you know, picking stuff up and wrecking it grr. back in the Battle of New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're right it's not hulk at all he's not in there it's just it's just banner driving the hulk's body which i don't doesn't really matter for this movie right like i like Mm -hmm. they did something different and i like what they did with him in this movie all that's great stuff if we do get another hulk movie it better be about the fact that banner driving hulk's body does not actually solve the problem of your deep abiding anger issues and trauma yeah you know right Mm -hmm. so but no i like it he was it was super fun and really unexpected um and also set up the visuals of his conversation with the Ancient One really, really well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I adore the moment when the Ancient One knocks his soul out. And, of course, it's Bruce's body, you know, as the astral body coming yeah. out of the giant Hulk yeah. thing. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of my you're not actually integrated thesis, but nobody cares about that right <laughs> now. We'll get <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a fair point. That's, a, that's another bit of evidence. You're absolutely right. No, I think you got some textual evidence on your side. Absolutely. All right. So, Joshua, you mentioned uh, Nebula and Gamora. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Okay. So, one of the biggest weak spots for me in the otherwise pretty fun but also super sexist Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> is that a bunch of people are doing things because the script wants them to and not for any Mm -hmm. actual reasons. And the two people I feel like who suffer the most from that are Nebula and Gamora. Mm -hmm. And having now seen two seasons of the new She-Ra where they do a much better Nebula and Gamora with Katra and Adora, Mm -hmm. this is more of me going, that's what those movies really should have been about. And so we get these flashback scenes to them before Gamora defects. Right. Where we can see their entire relationship at that point, you know, and I'm like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy gets better if they cut this scene and put it back in there, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. And then by the time we get to the end, two things that just I I thought were mind blowing on on character levels were done for me. And one of them is that Nebula gets to be Gamora to past Gamora. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, that's like that is it's a Mobius strip of sister fights. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. That's I mean, because look back at Guardians 2, where Gamora mm-hmm. reaches her hand out to Nebula, mm-hmm. even though Nebula has been trying to kill her. Yeah. And it works out like Nebula accepts and now they can work together. And that Nebula got to turn around and do that to pass Gamora is just I just love it. I just love it. That's like yeah. some galaxy brain character shit right there for me. It is. It's really nice. And now we get, you know, we lost Gamora in Infinity War. And now we get Gamora back. And, of course, she, you know, 
has nothing to do with Peter Quill, which is kind of fun. (laughs) That's the other amazing character thing that I love. We have undone her being given to him as a prize and may never see its like again, please. Yes. Well, no, if he gets her back, let him earn her. Like, I don't know how Quill's going to do that. You're going to have to do some serious work with Quill. (laughs) Um, But like, the thing is, like, I feel like they've set up this romance. They've got this thing. I don't think they're going to drop it. If they don't make this asshole earn it, you know, I mean, this time around and like seriously earn it. Um, I'm not going to have any patience for that. I just can't imagine how they get Peter Quill, who already feels like the, one of the most entitled characters in the damn you know, MCU. Yes. Not f- f- seem extra entitled to the girl he already won. Destroy. You have to destroy Quill. Yeah. You have to destroy him. Yeah, something like, unbelievable. You really have to, to take him. him down. He has to be towered, but good. Yes. And I think that actually I would be interested in that. Hey, speaking of that, you know what might not do what might do that to him? Hmm. hmm. Uh, having to be on a ship full of people who don't think he's in charge anymore because Thor's here. Uh, that can you only know, help. <laughs> I think it's a start. It's yeah. not enough. I'm legitimately excited for start. a Guardians movie because of that. Yeah, that's Thor. Yeah. The, um, as I Guardians think... of the Galaxy, here for it. Yeah. Here yeah. for it. <laughs> no, I think that'd be great. I want to talk a four-color fact. Oh, 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 what you got? What you got? Okay. I was so excited when the title card came up that said five years later. Mm-hmm. Because the five-year gap is a time-honored superhero tradition. <laughs> is it really? Tell it me about this. Absolutely is. And that, this is why I was excited Rob was here, because I know he's already thinking of the oh, yes. original and best one. I've... <sighs> yeah. <laughs> I have very uh, strong mixed feelings about the original and uh, the original one. <laughs> so say we all. So the original and best one is in Legion of Superheroes. <laughs> and it is remarkably similar to this one in a lot of ways in, because it was like, let's just jump ahead five years and see how shitty everything's gotten. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Earth sucks now in five and years. Yeah, and this wow. is the, uh, uh, for those playing at home, Legion of Superheroes is the book that's about a bunch of teenagers who decided to be superheroes because they read about Superboy and a then went back earlier. in time and recruited him into their team because why the hell wouldn't we? We can, teenager <laughs> bullshit. So it's like galaxy-ending problems while everybody's trying to figure out who wants to smooch everybody else. It's amazing. Yeah. I, I oh. fucking love Legion of Superheroes. I have since I was 12. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and so when they did the five year gap and everything just got bleak as fuck, like in between two issues, yeah. I was like, okay, I don't know how I feel about this, but it's a bold choice. Let's find out how it goes. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, weird. I mean, there were several months, be- but well, they got the new creative team in place and everything. And they, and they did the relaunch with number one uh, for that five years later. And I was like, this is not what I had signed up for. Yes. And yes. I stopped reading after about a year and I came back to that run later on and I still like, you know, I'm much happier with the smooching teenagers. No, uh, <laughs> Long term, I'm with you in. But that that piece of what they were doing, I really it was I really like it was narratively interesting. and I should probably look at it again now that I'm on DC Universe and probably have easy access to it. But just mm-hmm. having that and there have been some others and, and you know, like a like a whole uh, DC did a line wide year jump into the future at one point and and then kind of backfilled what had happened during that year. I like that move a lot. Um, 
I like it for what it did for this movie. I like that it calls back to comic book shit that the Russos may not even know they were calling back to. <laughs> I I like that now the MCU is five years in our future because they kind of screwed themselves over trying to do shit in real time. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, it just really, it's another one of those uh, like signposts that we are doing something different mm-hmm. from here on out. You know, like we've learned some from some mistakes and uh, yeah, so it was just, yeah, that was a delightful, like, oh, you guys didn't even know you were pandering to me as a comic book nerd, but thank you. <laughs> thank you for that accidental pander. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so one of the things I have to talk about is how um, Endgame kind of mixed into our, you know, our TV show universe a little bit. Uh, After Tony talks with Howard, Howard goes over to his driver, Mm -hmm. who is Jarvis from Peggy Carter. I loved seeing that. With his Beatles haircut. Oh, yeah. No, it was great. Like he it had was a little rag wonderful top going to on. see Jarvis. I know. Um, so that was fun. Of course, we got Peggy. Right. We got her back. Um, so we got uh, Cap seeing her from afar in 1970. And then going back to her, we get that lovely little scene with the two of them dancing, Aww. you know. Um, so the the Cap and Peggy stuff, I have to say, I, I was very, very touched by. And it really broke my heart because he was it was always about her for him. You know, mm. are we doing favorite parts? Is that what we're doing? Lonnie? Are, you do- <laughs> are we at favorite parts? Are yeah, you we're jumping to your favorite part at this point? That is, that is my favorite part is cap and Peggy <laughs> dancing. So, um, so unless is there anything guys that I didn't bring up that you wanted to talk about that we've missed or can we move into favorite parts? I'm good. I'm good. I have bullet points for Cap and Peggy. I'm here for this conversation. <laughs> you got bullet points for Cap and Peggy. All right, give me your bullet points for Cap and Peggy. I'm just going to say, I don't even care. Like, the timeline stuff, the Cap was, you know, around this whole time in this past timeline, just growing old with Peggy and all that kind of stuff. Like, I don't even care. I love it so much. It just made me happy in my in my soul. So <laughs> what are your bullet points? Oh, no, I think I can add to your happiness, possibly. Yes. Because there Mm -hmm. is one, the one downside to the ending for Cap and Peggy is that it does make us look at the biggest time travel thing that doesn't work. Like, it's the biggest Mm -hmm. thing that doesn't Mm -hmm. work, which makes us kind of think about the other things that we were maybe prepared to not look at, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, if we just accept the Marvel comic explanation that every single one of these is just a splintered timeline, then Friends... Let me submit to you that we have an entire other universe of uh-huh. Cap and Peggy adventures through the mm. 50s or whatever. Yeah. Because it's yeah. not like she stopped being director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And she has as, as, as America now. Yeah. Where do you think he got the S.H.I.E.L.D. for Sam? Oh. He brought it from this alternate timeline. Yeah. Hmm. So if anybody ever wants to do a throwback Captain America movie that's uh, Cap and Peggy doing whatever in the 50s or 60s or 70s, we can oh do my God. that. I would so sign up for that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. So yeah, love it. Love it. I love it. All <laughs> right. So Rob, what's your favorite part? Um, well, honorable mention to Cap with Mjolnir, as I've, as I've harped upon already. Mm-hmm. And then, as I said, uh, I, I really enjoyed the, if you're going to say farewell to this, this era of Marvel movies, visiting a bunch of them was a really nice way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was super fun. Oh, and Joshua, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, on Cap, 
isn't the the reason that Sam became Cap in the in the comics that that Steve suddenly got old because of some weird the Super Soldier Serum got pulled out of him or something? Yep. So it's there's there's even comic book precedence to the idea of old Steve Rogers giving the shield to Sam. Yep. Which I appreciated. Oh. Um, yeah. In fact, speaking of my love of the Russos, like course correcting as much as they could, mm-hmm. uh, that. That whole thing with Sam as Captain America led into uh, was written by a person who was also responsible for some of the worst Captain America decisions you could possibly make, i.e. making him a Nazi. So the Russos are actually fixing shit accidentally. Like they're just they're just like, all right, we're going to do this right, son. You know, love it. Accidental shade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joshua, what's your favorite? Oh, I wanted to say I uh, I really appreciate Captain America wielding Mjolnir also because it goes back to my personal headcanon that I've had since the moment that I started hating Age Voltron, which was about three minutes after the credits rolled, like right away. <laughs> uh, he could have picked it up then and didn't because mm-hmm. it would have hurt Thor's oh. feelings. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sweet cat. Steve's yeah. looking out for his peeps, man. <laughs> um, okay, this is my favorite part is legitimately Tony's sacrifice play because yeah. it really does like recontextualize the entire MCU for me. You know, like I can stop treating Tony like a missing stare, you know, mm-hmm. like the universe recognizes that he wasn't all that he could be and put him in a place where it could end like, okay, he gets it. He understands. Mm -hmm. And as kind of a side to that, the fact that Pepper leans down and tells him, this is okay. You did the right thing. You can rest now. Mm -hmm. I was watching that woman steal the scene from the guy that was dying. (laughs) Yeah. Like I love the whole the whole scene's amazing, but I was just in that moment. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my gosh, she is upstaging the guy who is never going to be seen again." My God, yeah, um, yeah, because oh, it was God. just such like a like a because it also let me believe them as a couple, right? Like mm-hmm. in a way yeah. that we'd never been able to. Like this is these are for the first time ever like healthy, good yeah. people that belong together as a couple. You know, just yeah, it just recontextualizes a lot of rough stuff for me, and just. It shows me that at least at this point, we're kind of back on track. It just makes me really excited for the future. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's so great. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to join in, come find us on Twitter. Lonnie is at Lonnie Diane Rich, and I'm at Joshua Unruh. And the hashtag is listen up, a-holes. Yes, and don't forget, you can find Rob at rhyrich, um at, at, on Twitter, and um, he's there talking about Metaphors Be With You, the new Star Wars podcast that just dropped its second season. Rob, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. It was so wonderful to have you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really glad. Every time we go to space, we got to call Rob in. Yep. <laughs> right. Both Chipperish Media and Pulp Diction Productions are entirely supported by listeners like you who just picked up Thor's hammer. That's right, Thor's hammer. They are totes worthy. Show your support by visiting our Patreon pages or by leaving a great review on Apple Podcasts to make it easier for more people to find us and join in the conversation. The links to Apple Podcasts and both of our Patreon pages are easy to find right there in the show notes. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Listen Up A-Holes. We'll be back next time with our discussion of Jessica Jones Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. Until then, honestly, until this exact second, I thought you were Build-A-Bear. 
Both Chipperish Media and Pulp Diction Productions are entirely supported by listeners like you who just picked up Mjolnir. That's right, Mjolnir. Dear, wait. <laughs> I don't know what the hell I'm doing. All right. Who just picked up Mjolnir? Mjolnir. 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 <laughs> I can't say it. I, this is all. Outtake. You know what I was about to say. This is all going in the outtakes, but I'm not doing the editing on this one. No, you're not, Lonnie. So don't you hide Mjolnir. your shame. I can't say it. All right. <laughs>